0: I want you to write down a date. Friday, the 15th of September. We're doing a worship night. And I just want you to set that aside because uh, it'll, it'll be in the announcements and on the announcement roll and all that. But worship is so incredibly important. And it is what draws us close to the Father. we're going to get to Acts, I'm pretty sure. But there's something else that I want to share with you, that the Lord has had on my heart. And it may sound like I come with a heavy heart, but it's not. It's an eager heart. And I want you to understand the difference. And as I share this, I think you will. Because the times that we're in, the times that the Father is bringing to pass, and I don't mean just in ignition, I mean in this country and in this world, it's important to understand The weight of that. And along with that weight comes responsibility. Responsibility to the bride. But Tuesday night, the Lord spoke a few different times in a few different ways. And part of that is what I want to share with you this morning. For those of you who were here, you'll remember some of this. But at the beginning of the service, or just after worship, Alexis came up and she spoke in tongues. And then there were three people that gave the interpretation of those tongues. And I want to begin by reading that, and then I'm going to read the transcription also of what the Holy Spirit said. You know what? Before I do that, though, You don't have to turn with me. Uh, But if you'd you'd like, turn to John chapter 6. I want to point something out here real quick. Because this this is what the Lord has had heavy on my heart. Um, Again, the weightiness of it. Not the heaviness of grief, but the heaviness of the weight. How important this is. Let me see where I'll start here. Um, Let me just start at verse 43. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And this is where I want to get to. I am the bread of life, Jesus is saying this. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying... Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And he goes on from there. after all of the people leave, because of this hard saying, he goes on to say to the twelve, will you leave too? And Peter says, where would we go? You have the words that give life. See, what this was, was a hard saying. Now I need you to understand something in this. Jesus didn't have to say it that way. He didn't have to say it to the very thing that would offend the very people that he's speaking with. You have to understand something about Jewish culture. See, in the law, they were not allowed to touch the blood. That was unclean. So for him to tell them to touch flesh... And blood and drink the blood and eat the flesh. That was unclean to them, to how they were taught and how they were raised. So he could not have said to a Jewish crowd, he could not have said anything that would have been more offensive. He didn't have to say it that way. He could have said, my spirit, he could have said, it's it's my flesh that I will give on the cross. It's my blood that I will spill on the cross. That when you believe in that, you will be saved, because that's the truth. But he said it in a way to divide. And this is an important thing to understand. Because God does not just come to unite God comes to unite impurity. It's one thing to be united in a cause and yet be divided in who we are. But it's a whole nother thing to be united in that cause and united in who we are. See, that's an army. That's an army that rises up. Not one that speaks words and does something else. These were hard words. He did this for a reason. He did this on purpose. He offended or laid that offense out there on purpose. So I want to go to the interpretation of the tongues. And it was interpreted by Peter, Shannon, and Casey. They all added to the interpretation. But I'm going to just read it all in concession. Or consecutive order. You say that you want me, and and by the way, I want you to really listen intently to every word. And apply it to you. Don't apply it to your neighbor, apply it to you. This is God speaking. You say that you want me, here I am. You say that you desire me, but I have not gone anywhere. I am here before you and I have opened your eyes. I will not hide from you. I am your father. If you desire me, then seek me. I will not leave you. I will continue to open your eyes. I will continue to be with you. But do not say one thing and do another. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. I will walk with you. I will be with you. I will guide you. I will show you what you need to do. But your heart must match your lips. Why do you turn away from me? Why do you resist me so? Don't you know that I'm the warrior that steps before you? The one who trails behind you? Why do you keep me from you? Why is there arm's length between us? Why do you treat me like a stranger or an acquaintance on the road? Why do you make me beg you to love me? It's okay. That's all right. I already knew. That's why I said in my word that I have decided to produce in you a heart that longs for me. Because I am the Lord and you will be my people and I will be your God. And then my people will turn again to me and seek me with their whole heart. For I am the one who sent you. I sent my only son to die for you. So go and make disciples. See, this word was not a generic word. This word was for us. This word was spoken to Ignition. It was spoken to us. He wants us to. To get it. That it's not how people see you. Do you understand? As a Christian, you can act a certain way, and people see you, and oh, they're a good person. If that's all you get out of this, you've you've missed everything. See, because what he wants is to give you himself. Now later on, the Holy Spirit came and manifest. And this is what he said. Good evening. This is the Holy Spirit. It's true what the Father says. There are hearts here that are far from him. I know it's not the message you wanted to hear, and it's not the most sweet to eat, but it is the one you have to hear. It is the only one that you need. I only repeat what I hear from the Father, and I have been sent to glorify the Son. These things were not said to you to to discourage you or to beat you down. They are not here to trip you or to keep you low. We say these things to you to encourage you, to give you hope and a future just as a coach or a father would say, almost, or you're so close to the mark. But if you would adjust in just this way, you'd be perfect. We are the same. What we want, what he wants, is not that it can't go forward, it's that he won't without your hearts in sync with your actions. For some of you, it will feel and sound bizarre or perhaps offensive. Perhaps some of you will say, but I've done this and I've done that. How much more do I have to pour onto your altar? But it is not written to love with half of your heart. It is not written to love with half of all you have, or half of your soul, or half of your mind. No, it is written that you would love him, and only him, with all of your mind, and your heart, and your strength, with all of your soul, and your spirit. Indeed, it says, with everything that you have. Jesus said it. He said it. When he said, if a man were to lose his life for himself, this is a man... I'm sorry. When he said, if a man were to lose his life for me, he is the man who has gained it. And the man that would save his own life for himself, that is the man who would lose it. So I have come not to clarify but to comfort. I have come not to say something new, but to enforce what has already been said, which is that He loves you, but He wants that love back, and He wants it in everything that you have. This life is short. The opportunities are numbered. The days are, count- are counted. Every day matters to Him. Matters to us. Every day has to be a surrender. Because it's not that it can't go forward. It's that he won't. And then lastly, I want to read something Jesus came and said. As an encouragement and and some of this was a little hard to hear on the recording so I, I, I missed a couple of words but I am Jesus the son of God that came to earth and died on the cross and when he was saying this he was so full of joy I wanted to come here and tell you that not one of you should leave here feeling condemned or feeling scared because you guys are only closer to the enemy getting defeated. Tonight was something to be glad about, something to look forward to on what's going to happen. Please do not leave here scared or with fear. If you cannot get an answer about something that has happened here tonight, ask me. Come straight to my Father and He will clear up all confusion. Be joyous. Be looking forward to that love that you can reach with me because it's amazing. No enemy can oppose it. Remember tonight what my love can do through you by my Father's hand. Rejoice, be glad, praise, open your mouth and praise, for tonight is a victory. You guys might not be completely there yet. You guys are still learning. Please take your time with me, as you are my bride, you are my beloved. I hold you so dearly to my heart, and I want you to hold me so dearly to yours. I want to walk hand in hand with you. Realize the love that you can have with me and how amazing it is and what it can do that not even an army can stand up against it. That the highest principalities, that even Satan himself will tremble in my name. That relationship I want with you. That love I want with you. I want with my bride. Be excited. Be joyous. Again, I say, do not be scared for tonight. Father, I just pray that every word out of my mouth is from you. I pray, Father, that your spirit moves in a way that we get it. You said that your Holy Spirit reveals Scripture, opens our eyes to truth, opens our eyes to relationship with you. You even confirmed it with what I just read that you said Tuesday night. God, this is what we ask you to do right now, to open our eyes but connect it with our hearts that we might see you and seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, what he wants from us is everything. And I don't think it's a mistake that this church is 80% young people. Okay, so I'm speaking also to young people. Understand that this is not you saying, well, yeah, he's talking to those people that, you know, are older, married, have kids, more established. No, he's talking to you. David killed Goliath at 15. Okay, he's talking to young people, he's talking to old people, he's talking to everyone in between. Because to him, age doesn't matter. To him, we just read it, the heart is what matters. And what he's saying is that with some of us, there's a disconnect between our hearts and our mouths. See, because you could come into an environment that's a healthy environment. And you can enjoy it. And you can love it and love being there. And yet you can be on a different wavelength with your heart. This is especially easy for young people. Because they want to find a place that they belong. But you know what? That doesn't change when you get older. That's always the same. But understand, it's not about belonging to the Ignition 633 group. That's not going to do anything for you, I promise. It's belonging to that core group that loves Jesus Christ, that literally gives him everything. Do you know, as a young person right now, if you give him everything, he can do anything. Do you believe that? Do you believe he can do anything through you? I do. I do. But you've got to be willing to give everything, no matter what that is. As Paul said, even to your life. I know this may sound like a crazy question but would you give your life for Jesus Christ right now? Really think about that. Really think about that. If if this were presented in such a way where you had to declare that you were either a Christian or not, that you believed in Jesus Christ or you did not, or there were consequences. See, we don't have that in America. We might have social consequences. We might even have financial consequences. But we don't have consequences to our lives. But what if you did? What would you say? See, that's something to really think about. Because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd give my life. But see, Paul says, if you are going to sell out for Jesus Christ, you give him everything. Everything that includes your life. If you listen to Peter, for Peter, he was was honored to give his life at the end for Jesus Christ. But yet, that's not what God's requiring. Where we get hung up are the small things. We get hung up on this thing called time. If you just answered that you're willing to give your life, then how much time are you really giving Him? How much of your heart are you really giving Him? How much of your hopes? How much of your dreams? How much of your expectations are you really giving Him? Is what He wants for your life real to you? Or is it something that you pay attention to on Sundays and then the second you leave here, It's more about your responsibilities. Well, see, I have to focus on work. I have to focus on my friends. I have to focus on this, focus on that. See, Jesus said after his disciples, after he ascended to heaven, after he rose from the dead, he said to his disciples, his disciples, go and wait. He didn't say go and do. He said go and wait. Go and wait for what I am sending to you. What do we do when we wait? We press in. You press in. What does it mean to press in? Maybe that's a block. What does it mean to press in to Jesus Christ? Well, think about it. If you have a best friend and there's something between you, What do you do to press in to your best friend? What do you do to to level that problem, perhaps that's between the two of you? Pressing in is giving time. See, it's one thing to read the Word of God and pray and do it to some schedule that you're trying to get your time in for the day. It's another thing to give Him your life. And I apologize. I know this can be a hard thing to receive here, but this church is different. If that's all you want in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you are in the wrong place. Understand that. This is not the place for you. Just like Jesus gave that hard message to hear. That's what I'm saying to you right now. I don't want to build numbers here just for the sake of building numbers. That's why God hasn't allowed us to do that. Instead, I want every one of you to give your life to Jesus Christ like I have. And I'm not saying that because I'm great. I'm saying that because I love Him and i do anything for Him. Do you understand? He loves you. He loves you online. I'm sorry, but this is this is not coming from a heavy heart. This is coming from an eager heart. I'm eager. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to experience. What I've experienced in Jesus Christ. Because he's awesome. He's the best. He is the best relationship you could ever have. You have to understand though, there's a cost. There's a cost to that relationship. And anyone in here who has that, you know what I'm talking about. Because that cost is your own will. That cost is your desire for how you have your life planned. He says to trust Him. Do we really trust Him? Or do we just say we trust Him? See, there's a difference. You could say all day that you trust Him. But when a gun's put to your head, and said, this is for real, give a yes or give a no, then do you trust Him? When your friends that aren't here say to you, what do you believe? Do you step to the plate? Do you share about that relationship that you have with Jesus Christ? See, what he is building here is an army that will not step down, but that will move forward with him around their feet. Literally with his hands taking our feet and moving them step by step by step. That takes trust. See, because we have these logical minds that say, well, no, I know how this is supposed to work. Wait a second, I, I, I got my mortgage, so, so I can't give, give my tithe. I got my mortgage. Or I got this, or I have that. I can't do that because I've got school. Right? I, can, I, can't, I can't share my faith with my teacher because that could affect my grade. I can't share my faith with my boss because that might affect my job. Now I'm not saying do something the Lord isn't guiding you to do. I'm saying he's guiding you to do more than you're doing. And we have to have a sensitive heart to him. I've talked with many of you many of you individually, about what the Lord is speaking to you. And He wants you to act. He wants you to act. He wants you to step over that line and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want. My life is not my own. My life is yours. See, that's the cost. But honestly, the benefits... Away the cost by far. I can tell you that in my own relationship as well. What I gave up when I gave up our business, when I gave up control, when I, we, we left large ministries, I left the thing I thought I loved the most. Being a worship leader, I loved that. There was nothing I loved more than that. That's what drew me to Jesus Christ. I gave that up. Alexis gave up a large women's ministry that she loved. It wasn't that she didn't love it. It wasn't that, that there, there was too much responsibility and it was a burden in it. No, she loved it. See, God doesn't always ask us to give up things that we hate or things that are just too difficult. Sometimes He requires us to give up things we love things that have been part of our life that we may not recognize it, but we just put before him. See, whether it's good or bad, if it's before him, it's bad. But see, we we like to take control ourselves. And I get it. I get it. I did that for almost 50 years of my life, wanting to control my life. We've been going through Acts and wow, I don't see any of that in the book of Acts. None of it. What I see are people beginning with 120 that are so sold out for Jesus Christ that even their very lives were not more important to them. See, understand the circumstances in which the church began, this 120 people. They had just crucified their Messiah. They had just shown, in essence, what would happen if you believed what he said. But that didn't matter. And we went through that even in Peter's first at Pentecost. His first thing that he, he, he spoke, he spoke boldly. I can imagine as he's speaking, that boldness is what took him forward, trusting in the Lord, because perhaps in the back of his mind he's thinking, it's any moment before they come and take me. Because, see, he called him out. He said, you are the ones who crucified him. And yet he died for you. Now do you see the power of what happened there? Peter stepped forward giving God everything and 3,000 people were saved. Why? Because Peter was so good? No, it's because God was so good. But see, God does not work outside of human intervention. He's certainly not going to work in your life if you don't let him. But understand, he will not work through your life either. Except for the measure that you let him. That's important to understand. There's a measure in relationship that you can reach where he will do amazing things through you simply because you say yes. I've told you this before, how important it is to say yes to Jesus Christ. When I wake up in the morning, I say, yes, Father. What you want, I give you my yes, whatever it is. I I don't even have to know what it is. I just give you my yes. And then I say, Father, your will will. Your will today, Father, not mine. Your will. So we've been in Acts. I want you to turn to chapter 4. Because this is another example we had just had in chapter 3 where the the lame beggar was healed. This, This man that was over 40 years old, he was healed. And then that gave opportunity for Peter to basically preach. And he did, and then now he's brought before the council. Let's start at verse 1 of chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about (laughs) 5,000. We thought 3,000 was big. Okay? This isn't just 3,000 people, which is what the first one was. This is 5,000 men plus women and children. Just like the feeding of the 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had sent them into the midst, they inquired, By what power, or by what name, did you do this? Speaking about the healing of the lame man. Then Peter, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders... If that wasn't enough, he goes on. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. I want to point something out here. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your upbringing. It doesn't matter your education. Why? Because when Jesus Christ fills you, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't see you. They see Jesus in you. That's what's happening right here, is they perceived them as uneducated people, right? Uneducated men, but there was something about them. That was Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that a notable sign, or this miracle, has been performed through them, is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And I love Peter. But Peter and John answered, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak, but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of all the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man of whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So I want you to recognize what happened here. See, Peter stepped over that line of his own capability, his own trust. And he stepped into a place, Peter and John, all of them for that matter, stepped into a place where God could do anything he wanted. What was produced out of that? It was boldness in Jesus Christ. It was the understanding of truth. Recognizing that Jesus Christ and their relationship with him was so much more important than what could happen, than what could happen right there. Literally, Telling them what they had done. See, this is where Jesus wants us. This is where he wants us in our relationship with him. He wants us to give him everything. He wants us not to worry about the next step, because he is holding our feet and will move our feet. It's one thing to know that in your mind. Boy, it's another thing to really believe it and act it. See, because social acceptance is such a powerful thing. These men and women... Did not care about social acceptance. In fact, they went against it. They stated the fact that this social group were the ones that literally killed the Messiah. And God raised him from the dead. So, where are you at? Where are you at in your social circles? Where are you at here in Ignition? Are you here because you have some good relationships here? Which I pray and hope that you do. Are you here because we're having a cool weekend called Awaken? Are you here because of the lateral relationships? Or are you here because of the relationship with him? That vertical relationship. Is that why you're here? Because God has called you here. See, what he wants you to get is he needs everything. He needs all of you. He needs every piece. Not just what you want to give him. Not just what you're comfortable to give him. He needs it all. Because what he has called us to requires everything. Everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And Lord, not to put her on the spot, but I I feel you've told me to Stop early because Alex has something to say. But Father, we trust you. We praise you. And Father, as you are the shepherd, you divide. You divide those that are your sheep. And then you care for your sheep. Father, I would ask, just as Jesus did on this earth, that none would be lost. I know this is a hard word this morning. But it is for great purpose that you give this word. Because you need us to take away the distractions. To take away all of the things that bind us to this world. That's what I ask for this morning, that you do exactly that. That you show us your outstretched arms. Show us how to make our words and our lips be in sync with our heart that we don't say one thing and do another. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Wow. it's a heavy heavy word and yet when I was in the, you know, the beginning of this message when I was Thinking about all of the ways that we could give more, press in more. In order to not feel condemned, you have to, you have to know certain things about who God is. There's a, there's a phrase in um, Alabama that I joke with my youngest sisters from Alabama. And uh, it's, it's a greeting when people greet each other and they say, What you know good? And the response is, I don't know it. It's a, it's a, and I was just, we just were so struck by that we, when we got together one weekend that we just couldn't help but say it the whole weekend. What you know good? I don't know it. It, it was just weird. Because I thought, I, I've never heard such a thing in my entire life. <laughs> what it was basically saying is, so so what do you know? How how, how you doing? You know? And they responded, ah, I don't know, not much. Okay? That's what it is. What you know good? I don't know. Try it, it's really interesting. It's, it'll stick with you for at least four days, it did with us. Um, but you know, in light of this cost concept, if you are in a situation, if you're in a crisis situation, a survival mode, one of the first things you come back to is, okay, what do I know? What do I know for a certainty? What, what can I know that is true, okay? Whether it be in a crisis situation or just an evaluation of your life. Okay, I know I'm alive. I know I'm, you know, you assess certain things. You know certain things. And that's how you begin to navigate your life. This concept of a cost, as I look at it, as we've taken these steps, as we've given things up, if I don't know what is worth that cost, I'm not going to make those steps. And I I am certain today that that is lost on some of you for one reason. You do not know who God is. See, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. John 8, 32. Knowing the word, if you don't know how good, do you know how good God is? God is good. Do you know that he loves you? He loves you. Do you know that no matter, as he said, what your past is, what your age is, what you've been through, do you know that he restores time? He redeems time. He restores a life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Amen. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the hard times, I don't have to fear any evil. That's right. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, the two directional needs, will comfort me. Do you understand all the aspects of God? When was the last time that you've looked at the character of God? If I don't know the character of God, this cost doesn't mean anything to me. Guns to my head, what do I believe? is going to be based on what you know. Okay? And, and I'm not talking about the intellectual knowledge to just get you puffed up. But what you know about God is... Also, has to be in line with, with your heart. You know, if, if I were to just have this person standing beside me and just say, oh, Stephanie, you, you, you got you this, is, this is awesome, this is so great. You, you might be kind of agreeing with me, like, okay, this is a great person, and she keeps saying we need to get to know them and they're going to have a fun time, you know, we're going to have a fun time being around them. But you're not going to be sold on the experience of my joy and my enthusiasm about them until you get to know them for yourself. That's why you have the friends you have. When you enjoy being with somebody and you really, really enjoy their company, it's because there are things you know about them that make that relationship precious to you. You've experienced it. You've been part of it. There are people that know who Jesus is, maybe even know some characteristics about him, but they haven't taken that step and experienced them. So you have to accompany what you know about him with what you know. There are two root meanings of the word know, and I want to get sidetracked in that. But there is a no, like the speed limit. That sign says 65. That's all great and good. I'm just going to go my speed. You can know it, but then you can know the speed to where it fundamentally changes the way you drive. Oh, that says 65. I better, I better, you know, that says 35. I better go 35 because I know that's how fast I need to go. You see what I'm saying? You can know things and not know them to where they change you at all. It's just like, okay, that's good. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Cool for somebody else. Not for me, because I'm going to get where I'm going. I'm going to drive the way I'm going to drive. And let's not go there right now, in our minds, okay. But this is what we have to look at with this thing of cost. It's what I have to look at with this thing of cost. Yesterday, I will tell you, what came against me was insane. You accompany being tired with being hungry, with a little bit of stress, with deadlines you have not yet met in the human realm and you've got a recipe for vulnerability to, for the enemy to attack you. And toward the end of the day it was just building and building and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling and I'm warring and I'm praying and I had to get back to okay, recognizing this is lies coming against what I know. What I know about God first of all is this is not of Him. If you're angry, if you're frustrated, if you are fearful, if you're having anxiety, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling completely discouraged, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling that there's nothing good, if you're just feeling negative, rest assured, if you know anything about the character of God, that is not of Him. So now what do you do? You start declaring truth. you got to know what you know. Okay? And it's interesting how atmospheres shift when you begin to declare truth and then take that truth, one of the things that we can know is that we have authority. We have authority in the name of Jesus and in the blood of Jesus. So you go about then shifting and changing. And so many of us are going to be stuck if we don't begin to make those declarations. And those are the declarations. That's the belief that's going to lead you to this cost. Because I believe, and there's not a person here, there's not a person probably in churches across the country today, that is not in some way looking for something better in their lives. Well, guess what? Psalm 34, 7. Delight, thy 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight in Him, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. He is good. He doesn't want you to give up everything for misery. See, we translate that immediately. We don't even know it. Our subconscious mind, give up everything, give up, lay everything down, willing to die for uh, Okay, I- I'm looking for something good. I'm not looking for that. That's how instinctively, not consciously, but that's how our flesh responds to a statement like that. When you know who God is, you're like, man, there is nothing left good for me anywhere apart from that. There's nothing good. Because when you know who God is, you know that no good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. We've got to know the Word, we just got to know the Word. Because that's what will give us the, the ammunition to declare truth against the enemy who is a liar, John 8, and the father of lies. I love the word because it speaks life into me. Because when I get attacked, it's with lies. When I get attacked waiting for the promise, waiting for this, waiting for that, it's all lies. Because he that has begun a good work in you will perform it, will continue it, will accomplish it, whatever translation you're using, until the day of Jesus Christ. Take something. Chew on it. Take the word. Ruminate on it. Believe in it. Declare it. Use it as every time the enemy tries to lie to you and say this is not worth any kind of sacrifice of your life. Say, uh, really? Okay? Because I read the last chapter. I kind of know that you don't make it. Okay? He's overcome. Like, seriously. You know, like you can cheat you can actually read the last chapter before you go through the whole Bible. Just so you kind of know and have some hope that he will be cast to his own hell. Praise God. So I just want to encourage you today because this heavy, heavy word is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. And I'd be a hypocrite if I told you it was easy. It's not. It's declaring truth every day. And I'm so thankful for an army. You know, when when you're in an army, you have somebody who's got your back in the human realm too. And I'm thank you, thankful for intercession and prayers on behalf of the body of Christ when I'm struggling. And you know we pray for you when you're struggling. And that's what we do in James. We bear one another's burdens. And, uh, and it's exciting. And that's what we, we do every Tuesday night. I hope you'll be with us Tuesday night. Be on the prayer call Monday. Man, if, if you've had things come against you, your schedule, I don't. it doesn't matter what comes against you. It ought to be rare that you miss the prayer call. If you miss it regularly, ask yourself, is this a God? Because if it's not, I can overcome. I can can be an overcomer to what's keeping me from getting on that call. Not in my own flesh. You might see no possibility of it. But I'll tell you what God does want you in prayer. If you don't think so, then you don't, again, know another character aspect of of who he is. He wants you in prayer. Because that is the lifeblood of your entire walk with Christ. He wants us in fellowship with him. I hope you'll join us if you can physically be here. But we've given you the call. I mean, (laughs) there are people that have been on the road, calling back in because they're losing reception, on the way back and forth from jobs. I mean, you name it. I'm muting it all the time for noise in the background, depending on where I am. Whatever you got to do, don't use it as an excuse to not get on the prayer call. Just use technology to help you stay focused by muting out some of that stuff. There are people that couldn't mute themselves, and uh, I think it's only either Wendy or Greg that has the ability to mute your noise out. So again, whatever's coming against you, by faith, step out, be part of the prayer. Be part of the prayer. I want to mention to you, two one last announcement, and I uh, try to keep my comments...